Children's Church. Bless the children and those who are ministering to them as they go off to their time. And as we here um, would look at God's Word, I invite you to open a Bible if you have one, or a hard copy on your phone, tablet, whatever you may have, to the book of First John, to First John chapter 1. If you uh, find the book of Revelation at the very end of the Bible, uh, make your way back just a few books. It would be Jude, Third John, Second John, First John. First John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. And um, I should have told you before you were seated, so we're going to do a little bit of gymnastics here real quick if you're okay. Um, if you would stand just for a moment, we want to think it would be a good thing to get into the habit together of as we read the word of God together, just to stand in honor of his word. And so I apologize for the up, down, up, down, uh, but um, it'll keep your, your legs fresh this morning. So First John chapter 1, verses 5 through chapter 2, verse 6. John writes, this is the message we've heard from and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all or every sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. Chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. And this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus May the Lord add his blessing this morning to the reading of his word, and once again, you may be seated. We started a series last week on how is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? Last week, we talked about what foundation are you standing on, the issue of identity and identity, who we are in Jesus and believing who we are in Jesus and and not finding our identity. And identity is all about value. It's all about where we find our value. It's all about where we find our worth. It's all about where we run to for love, for acceptance, for being liked. And so last week we identified some of those faulty foundations, things like people-pleasing, things like performance, getting or performing in order to get value, in order to be loved and liked by others, feeling a sense of worth. And we talked about control, being in control, controlling situations, controlling people, trying to control outcomes. And we found that in Jesus, everything that we need is found in him. He is the one who loves us. He is the one who likes us, so we don't need to people please. His performance for us counts, so we don't need to find our value and our worth in how we perform. 
And we don't need to try to be in control of all situations because he's ultimately in control of situations in our lives. And so we live in this place of our identity being more and more built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we do that, our soul will have a foundation to build on, a foundation of health, more uh, freedom to live in, more of the light and the glory of Christ, more of the love and the presence of Jesus in our lives. So this issue of identity and the foundation is the building block upon which, on, upon which this whole series, How Is It With Your Soul, is built. Today we talk about, and there's sermon notes in your bulletin, are you experiencing God's forgiveness? And, and I would even say we can adapt this title just by adding one word, and that is how are you experiencing God's forgiveness? Rather than a, a close-ended yes-no question, a open-ended how are you experiencing God's forgiveness? If you are a Christian radio listener, um, Caleb, or whatever it may be, Word FM, whatever it may be, you may have heard the song Holy Water by We the Kingdom. And it's all about what we were before Jesus. And uh, the holy water idea is just, it builds on this imagery of the Old Testament of how the holy water would, would purify and would, would cleanse these items that would be used in worship, set apart unto God and brought in for cleansing. And, and then there's this picture of baptism in it as well. But the chorus goes like this. Forgiveness, your forgiveness, is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. Like the sound of a symphony to my ears, like holy water on my skin. There is this this beautiful picture being painted in words and in music of the forgiveness of God, the way it impacts us at conversion but also the way it continually impacts us and is applied to us as we walk this life with Jesus. See, forgiveness should not just be this thing that we experience one time at the beginning of our walk with Jesus and say, oh, I've been forgiven. For our soul to be walking in greater, greater, in greater um, health and in healing and in the presence of Jesus receiving more, Forgiveness is the gift that God has given us to continue to open our soul more and more, to have the darkness lifted off, to have the junk wiped away, and to be able to walk in closer and closer fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. See, forgiveness should not just be that thing we experienced back there. Forgiveness is an ongoing practice and an ongoing gift that the Lord gives to us to be able to allow our soul to be healthier and freer and to walk in greater capacity to carry the presence of Christ. So when we talk about how is it with your soul, we can ask ourselves this question, how are you or are you, but how are you experiencing God's forgiveness? As we read in 1 John, it's a great picture. And and the three sections of this message this morning, one will lay a foundation, one will give us direction on how to activate it, and the last we'll be talking about our reception of the forgiveness of God. And so we want to lay a foundation for experiencing God's forgiveness first. How do we experience, and what is God's intention in this foundation of experiencing God's forgiveness? First thought is this, here's the foundation. And that is the big picture God's intention for us is that we would walk in the light. That we would walk in the light. This is the environment for experiencing and living in the fullness of Jesus and what God is 
through forgiveness, seeking to bring us into. There's three reasons that we walk in the light. The first is because God is light. The first reason we walk in the light is because God is light. Verse 5 says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. In Genesis, it says everything in the beginning, there was darkness. It was formless and void. The earth was formless and void. And God said, first off, let there be what? Light. Because God is light, he was bringing light into a dark world. The environment and the way in which we live is a life of walking in the light because God is light. There literally is not a hint of darkness in God. God is light. There is no darkness, John says, in him at all. If we are going to live an experience of the forgiveness of God, if our soul is going to be healthy, we are going to have to walk in the light because that's where God is. God is light. The second reason we walk in the light is because fellowship is God's desire. Fellowship is God's desire. Verse 6 and 7, if we claim to have fellowship with him, God, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. See, God's desire is that we would walk with him in fellowship, and the place that we do that is in the light with him, because he is light. This happens, fellowship happens in the light. The reason is God wants us to walk in the light is because that's where fellowship is. He desires fellowship with us, closeness, intimacy, no hiddenness, nothing blocking our relationship with him. Fellowship can be this kind of idea of, you know, I may be in a right relationship with a person, I may have a relationship with a person, but there, if there are issues between us, how much fellowship is there? We have this barrier that is there because there's junk in between us. And God says, my desire is that you and I would live in fellowship one with another. And in order to live in that fellowship closer and closer, we have to get rid of the junk. That's why forgiveness is needed. Fellowship is God's desire. It's interesting when we do this, we walk in the light, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light... We have fellowship, if you're following along with me in the word, we have fellowship with who? One another. Now, does that make a lot of sense? God has been talking about, I mean, logically, if you follow him, God is light. He wants fellowship with us. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, logically, we would say, John would say, we would have fellowship with who there? God. But he doesn't say that. He doesn't say if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with God. He says we'll have fellowship with one another. Now, we'll get to that in a moment. But before we do, we need to see the third reason why we walk in the light, and that's because darkness breaks fellowship. Darkness breaks fellowship. Verse 6, we said if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. See, walking in darkness, John equates as not living in the truth. 
what is the truth? If you skip down to chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, he lays this out and he says, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The one who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys, here's another key word. You have commands as a key word. If anyone command, or obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. And this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. What is the truth? The truth is the word of God found in the word of God and the commands of God. And so if we're going to walk in the truth, we find the truth in the word. We find the truth in the commands that he's given to us in his word, and the way that we live according to it is obedience. Obedience is not this thing that's like, oh, drudgery. Obedience is life. Life according to the the word and the commands of God. So much so, John says that if we do not walk in the light, we walk in the darkness, we are not obeying the truth, and we are making we are lying about our fellowship with God. See, you can't say, you can't say, oh, I'm in fellowship with God, I'm in relationship with God, yet not obey and live according to his word and to the commands of God. They're incompatible. The commands, obedience to his word, go hand in hand. If we are going to walk in the light and not in darkness, we have to live and walk according to the commands and the word of God in obedience. You know, darkness, darkness is like mold. Where does mold grow? Mold grows in the darkness. If you have moisture and you expose it to darkness, the darker it gets, the more mold will grow. If you expose it to light, mold will not, there is no mold that will grow. Moisture does not produce and does not grow mold in light. It only produces mold in the darkness. And mold has this nasty effect. It destroys stuff, and it makes you sick. Especially that nasty black mold stuff. There's, what, what John is saying is in the darkness, in the darkness is where the gunk lives. And in the darkness is where we get sick. In the darkness is where our soul gets broken and beat up and destroyed. If we are not experiencing soul health and freedom, if we are not living in the joy of the Lord, if we're not experiencing the love of God and the love of the Father, we're not experiencing the, 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 the Spirit's presence, it may be because there's stuff in the darkness where we're not living fully according to the commands of God and the word of God and obeying his word. We're living, there's stuff in hiding, there's stuff in darkness. And the only way out of it will be to walk in the light as he is in the light. Because in the darkness is where the gunk grows. And that's where fellowship is broken. So here's the point. As we build this out. We walk in the light because God's in the light, because fellowship is his desire, because darkness breaks the fellowship. If we're going to have fellowship with him, we have to walk in the light. Now, go back to that whole thing I said we'll get to in a minute. That verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with who? 
one another. Not God, he doesn't say. Now, do we have fellowship with God? Yeah. But with one another, he says. Why is he saying that? He's saying that the level of our fellowship with him will be dependent on the level of our fellowship with others. The level of our ability to live in the light with him will be dependent upon the level of our ability to live in the light with others. If we are not in the light with others, that will, be, that will directly affect the level of fellowship we have with God. Why? Because God knows everything about me already. I can tell him all kinds of stuff, but if I can't confess it to another person and bring it out into the light, it keeps my soul sick. The mold grows. The junk grows. The more I'm able in confidence to be able to come to another human being and say, here's what's in the darkness and bring the darkness out, that I can say there's nothing that I am aware of that's in the darkness. I've brought it all out in the light. That's a scary place to be, isn't it? (laughs) A scary place to be able to bring things out of the darkness where I know God knows and I may confess it to him a million times. But I got to bring this out of the darkness of my soul and let another human being know this is really where I'm at. This is really what's going on. God knows it. I know it. But no one else knows. Walking in the light, our level of fellowship will be dependent upon our level of fellowship openly with others. If I have stuff that I've never told another human being, that will limit my fellowship with God. It will allow the junk to grow. The areas I've had the greatest challenge in finding freedom only came when I've been willing to confess it to another human being. Confess it over and over and over to God, but I found myself still enslaved by stuff and still in the gunk but when I brought it out of the light and confessed it to another human being, that's where freedom came. Come out of the darkness and into the light. Walk in the light. This is the big picture. It's the environment for experiencing God in the light. So that's the big picture. How do we get there? What's the means to be able to bring things out of the darkness into the light and walk in the light with God and with others. The means is confession and repentance. Confess and repent when that fellowship is broken. If we're in that place where like, I just don't have fellowship with God and not that closeness with God, confession and repentance are the way out. Now, confession and repentance sometimes, if you grew up in church like me, confession and repentance is like, those are ugly words. Those are scary words. Those are the words that you do when you come up here. And if somebody comes up here like, oh, their life, they got confession and repentance that they need to do. There's bad stuff. I mean, that's how I grew up. I don't know if that's how any of you grew up if you're a church person. But when somebody came to the altar, it was either they were accepting Jesus as your Savior and like, woo. Or if you knew they had already accepted Jesus as your Savior, you're like, woo. Okay, so one way or another, it's a woo. It's just, what is it a, is it a good woo or a bad? But, when, but that can't be what places of dealing with God are about. Confession and repentance can't be the thing that you did one time when you came to Jesus. Confession and repentance has to be seen in the environment of the church family as, boy, these are gifts. And, boy, if they're going for confession and repentance, it's going to be just a matter of time before I'm probably going to need to go for confession and repentance. 
Not, oh man, I can't believe they gotta go for confession or repentance. This should be the regular practice of our lives. Because I don't know about you, but I'm always aware, God's always showing me something that I need to get light into, to get darkness out of. This, this week at night of worship and prayer, the Lord just freed me from some stuff that was in the darkness. I didn't realize it, but he showed me there, and there was freedom that came from it. But it required me confessing. It required a pe- re- repentance. So let me define these for us real quick. Confession and repentance. Confession or to confess is to agree with how God views things. To confess is to agree with how God views things. In verse 9, it just says, if we confess our sins. We'll, we'll unpack this a little bit more in a moment. But if we confess our sins... Confession is simply to say the way that God has laid truth out in Scripture, His commands, His ways, they're right. Not, uh, maybe I think it's right, maybe I don't. If, if, if God shows them to us in His Word and He reveals them to us by His Spirit, confession is coming to the place of saying, you know what, God's way is right and the way I'm looking at this, the way I'm thinking about it, the way I'm understanding it, or the way I'm acting in response to this command, his way is right. And I need to confess that I'm not in alignment with it. Again, it goes back to chapter 2, verses 3 through 6, of his word, his commands, and obedience. Now, sometimes confession, I told you the Lord freed me from some stuff on Wednesday night, at night of worship and prayer. It wasn't things that I was like, I'm going to do it whether, I'm, whether God says no or not. They were just things that I didn't know were there. And the Lord will, will, in our journey, he will not open the whole treasure trove, ugly treasure trove, it's not a good treasure trove. He will not open everything in our soul to us at one time. Because if he did, we'd all be like, I ain't going there. Because <laughs> it'd be so big and so ugly and so nasty, I'm not going there, it's too big. But he reveals things slowly, little bits at a time, little bits at a time. And so, I mean, there may be times where you know this is not right. And I'm going to do it. It requires confession. Lord, I knew what I was doing was wrong. I got to own it. I got to confess that where I was at was not right. I got to get back in alignment with you. But a lot of times confession is like, man, I didn't realize that was there. I didn't realize that was in the darkness. But the Lord in his love exposes them by the spirit with his word in the light. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, Lord, thanks. I didn't see that was there. But now, you know what? I agree. That's not good. I don't want that. I want you. And so confession is just beginning to agree more and more that God's ways are true. And when you bring something to our attention to say, yep, I confess. I didn't get this right. Your ways are right. I abide by your ways. But it doesn't stop there. It stops with repentance. And repent is to do the opposite action. Repent is to do the opposite action, to change our mind and our action. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Clearly, God's or desire through John is that we would not continue to do the things we've been doing. My desire for you is that you will not sin. So confession is I agree that this isn't right. My way and your way are out of alignment, so I'm going to come and I'm going to say your way is right. I confess it. Repentance, then, brings us to the place where we do and we make a change in thought and in action. If we don't take that step, 
it's only half the process. So it, it would be like this. Imagine if a friend of yours says, I want to treat you to the best meal possible. I'm going to take you to the steakhouse. And it's like world-renowned steakhouse. They only have the best stuff. You're like, oh, man, that's cool. So we go. And you sit down, and they come out, and they tell you all the different steaks. This isn't one of those where you read the menu kind of thing. This is, they tell you these are, these are the best ones right here. And they explain the way in which the, the, be, the, the cattle was raised. They explain to you the, the way it was aged. I mean, this isn't like hanging for a couple of weeks. This is like years. You know, this is like the really long-aged beef, the stuff that just melts in your mouth. And they tell you all these things, and you hear them, and you say... You got a hamburger? And they said, we don't have a hamburger. Why would you grind this meat up? This is best when it's this way, cooked this way. This is all that has gone into it. You don't grind this up and make it into a hamburger. And you hear all of the reasons why. This is the way you do it, and this is the best, and this is how you enjoy this cut of meat. And you say, yeah, that sounds really good, and I understand everything you're saying. But you know what? I know better than you. I want you to grind it up and make it into a hamburger for me. Now that sounds kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? But if we say, okay, God, I see and I hear everything that you say. I understand all the reasons your truth is there. I understand your word. I understand your commands. I understand that I'm not obeying it. And I would even confess, yes, you know what? That is probably the better way. But I think... Grinding it up and making it into a burger, I think that's better. Repentance is to say, you know what? Oh, you know what? I never thought of that. When you tell me everything about that steak and what all it is and how inferior that's going to make that burger, you're going to put buns on it and lettuce and all that kind of, you're going to cover up the taste of the meat. I don't want, I don't want it that way. I want it your way. So, yeah, I'm not going to get the burger. I want to get the steak the way it was intended, that the best, because you know best. Repentance, if we don't take that step, and we may say, yeah, I agree with all of your things, but I'm going to do it my way, it's half. And we don't experience the light. Because we experience the light when we both acknowledge that God's ways are right and change our thinking and change our action to be able to do it his way. That's repentance. We can't do it halfway. Repentance is to do the opposite action. Now, here's the thing. I'm sure you're like me, and I may agree a lot. Yeah, this is right, and I intend, yes, I'm going to repent, and there are still those times when I fail. Anybody with me? Anybody fail? Anybody say, yeah, you raise it right, and yeah, I'm going to change, but oh, boy, you know, Paul in Romans 7, what I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, I do, and all this kind of stuff, and we don't do it perfectly. Well, here's the good news. Chapter 2, verse 2, or the end of verse 1 and on to verse 2. So he says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But he says, but if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father on our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Can I get a hallelujah? Praise the Lord for that. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. See, we should not abuse this and say, oh, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just a weak human being, so I may, you know, whatever. 
our goal should always be to live according to our confession of what we know to be true. But if we fail, but and if anybody does, and when you do, we have one who doesn't just go, how could you after all I did for you? You have one who still stands for us and who then gives us the opportunity to come back into that place. He stands for us still. That's the good news. That's the good news. So confession and repentance lead us into those places. How do we receive it? Walk in the light. Confession and repentance are the ways to it when fellowship is broken or when fellowship needs to have greater awareness. We come to a place of receiving. And here's where we come to land. And I'll just be just very honest, transparent. This message was very challenging this week. There are weeks that's just like, okay, flies along. This one was so hard to get together. And I believe it's because when, when those things happen, it's because there's things that the Lord wants to do and the enemy just doesn't want to see it happen. So th- this is where we come to.